Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So I'm excited that I, I always love Communion Sunday, that remembrance of the greatest moment uh, in the history of humanity, what Jesus did for us. I, I think today is going to be even a more extra special one for us um, with just what the Lord wants to, to do to just to pour in his, his love and, and a greater understanding of what he did for us and, and why he did it. Um, as we wrap up this series, how do I, uh, by looking at how do I make sense of it all, um, what I wanted to start with is a few weeks ago we made the announcement of some transitions we're doing as Pastor Mark is retiring for the third time in life uh, on May 32nd. Um, we've allowed him to go, to go. Whenever May 32nd happens, he can retire but as Mark uh, moves into whatever God has for him next, uh, here at Hill Country Fellowship, that's, that's not a pastoral role, uh, we're bringing Pastor Michael into an associate uh, role, and then Kevin Flagel is now Pastor Kevin, uh, again, uh, for our, our, youth, our youth ministry, so he's a youth pastor, and I wanted to hear from them, so Kevin and Michael, if you can make your way up here, uh, why don't you grab the mic, uh, we are going to hear from them, just, just what the Lord's put on their heart, just to share a little bit about moving forward and uh, the stuff they know, and, and of course, in Jesus, the stuff we don't know. Um, so we'll start with Michael, uh, since he's first on stage, and uh, Pastor Michael, just share with us what, what's going on and what the Lord's put on your heart, and um, you know, I don't know if you want to share how, you, how to make sense of it all, if you even know, but we'll start with yeah, you, thanks, and then go to well, Kevin. Uh, I, I don't want to steal the limelight from the biggest thing that happened this week, if you haven't heard, Pastor Kevin is now a dad, so I, I want you to get those details out of the way first, so. Um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was crazy, it is crazy, still crazy, uh, we were up till 3.30 this morning, so uh, always fun, um, but no, huge blessing, um, we, uh, we spent a long time in the hospital, but uh, it happened just like the way uh, the Lord designed it. And uh, mom and baby, uh, Miles, baby Miles, are, are very healthy, still healthy, very happy, and, uh, and just filled with joy. So, um, Do we have a picture? We don't have a picture. Oh, right? we I, don't. I didn't, get to, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Wow. You'll see plenty. Um, but anyway, I'm going to pass it over, back over to Pastor Michael. Okay, yeah, first things first. So, um, yeah, super excited for Kevin. So, uh, yeah, my name is Michael. Um, a lot of you probably are familiar with me. I've, I've been here on staff for uh, almost four years now as the youth pastor. Um, I came in on, in 2018, and uh, I'm actually a uh, hometown kid, so I uh, was not born in, in Burnett, uh, but raised from a super early age. I went to all, all grades of school um, in Burnett, and so this is very much my hometown, and, and this became my home church whenever... Uh, I was in high school, early high school, so I uh, really started growing in my faith a lot whenever I was here um, as a part of the youth group, and uh, I felt called to, to youth ministry during those years when I was a, a senior, and uh, so I went off to school to uh, Baylor University, Sikkim Bears, um, having a great year this year, uh, but, uh, and then I also went to seminary there, but during the summers, I came back here, and I was an intern uh, with the youth ministry, and, and so I've, I've been connected here uh, for a very long time, and then, um, yeah, now on staff for, for four years. 
Um, but uh, if, you, if you haven't met my family, I also don't have a picture to share with you all this morning. But they, they can stand up right over here. Uh, my beautiful wife, Amy. Really, this is the best uh, part of the deal for anybody is, is uh, y'all get to enjoy Amy. And she does an awesome job uh, with the, the youth um, she has done. And I know she's excited for this new role as well. We have three boys, uh, Johnny and Caleb and little Brady. And uh, they're here as well this morning in here. They're doing a great job. Y'all are doing really good. I'm proud of y'all. You'll, we'll earn a token today. So that's our, our motivation for them. But um, yeah, so uh, we are just busy with, with three boys now. Uh, part of that story for us is we went from zero to three kids. We, we adopted the oldest two uh, right as we were pregnant with the youngest one. And, and we went from zero to three within that one year span. So uh, give us a little grace. We're still figuring out some of our, our nightly routines and stuff with that. But um, anyway, yeah. So whenever uh, I, it was shared with me that Pastor Mark was retiring, which, yeah, like, they, like Scott said, for the third time. So I, I just consider it another temporary retirement until we need him again. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this news is all a lot of, of bittersweet uh, with a little bit of bitter in there, but a, a lot of sweet. And so part of that bitter is uh, losing Mark on staff. But the sweet part of that is he's very much planted here, him and Cheryl, and uh, they have shared no intentions of, of leaving and still helping out with a lot of the things that he does anyway. So, uh, But whenever they talked to me about uh, doing that transition, my, my first thought was, what about the youth? Um, and, and what about the students themselves? And then also, what about me personally feeling called to youth ministry is, is what I felt a call on my life to do and what I've been pursuing. And I had no intentions of, of going outside of, of youth ministry in the, in the church setting and, and especially here. And uh, so praying through that and, and at least considering it, um, God gave me a couple of very specific encouragements. One of those is, is that the youth are in very good hands. God has blessed me with, with an amazing team to work with, especially over the past year to two years. Um, if, if you're on the youth team, I'm just so, so grateful for you and, and all that you've poured into the youth. And they are in such great hands with those leaders. Um, none of them I've, I've seen have showed intentions of, of leaving through this transition either. And then the other big part of that is, is Pastor Kevin coming on. Um, Kevin is, is very known and loved by a majority of the youth. Um, a lot of them might have already been like, okay, great, Michael's out. Now we get to be with Kevin because they love Kevin so much. Somebody, I think Pastor Mark said he's a, a, a student magnet, and he really is. Um, and so he does a great job. I'm excited for the new things that, that he's going to do with students there. And the other encouragement that God gave me is that I'm still planning here. And what made it easy to share this news with the students is, is still being here and plugged into this church and uh, getting to pour into them um, in a volunteer kind of sense. I, I still plan to be over there um, as a small group leader or whatever Pastor Kevin wants me to do. And, and so I'll still be able to help with them, uh, but moving into these new roles. And, and so um, I'm, I'm honored and thankful that uh, Pastor Scott and the elders considered me for this role, and, and there's a lot of new things for me to learn, but um, after saying yes to this position, um, I, I feel like God has, has shown me through a lot of people's affirmations and whatnot that, that he has prepared me for this step, um, and, and I'm very thankful for, for different words of encouragement and whatnot from y'all. Um, I, I do want to, to clarify one thing, though. A lot of times I hear from people, and, and, and no harp on, on anyone who has said this before, but a lot of times I've heard people say, like, oh, you're, you're moving up or getting this promotion or something. And I want to take a step back and, and clarify I do not see it that way. 
Um, God calls us all into ministry, whether in a staff position at the church, regardless of what your paycheck is, or in, in so often just a, a volunteer kind of sense. And, and there's no real hierarchy of that. And so I don't see this as a move up. I've been very careful to, to call it uh, moving into a new position or transitioning to a new role. And that's very much what I see it as. Um, because sometimes if we, if we talk about it as a promotion or something, it might uh, in a, imply that like youth ministry is somehow lesser. And uh, stepping into youth ministry, that's what I saw as kind of a running joke among youth pastors is, is like, oh, when are you going to be a real pastor or something? And it's kind of, kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing that youth pastors say amongst each other. But, um, but that very much is real ministry. And I encourage you to check out the youth ministry even now. I'm, I'm very much still going to be a number one fan of youth ministry and promoting that as much as I can. So um, those are some of my thoughts on this. And, and again, I'm just very grateful to serve y'all. I'm excited to get to know some of y'all um, in, a, in a different way in this new role. Um, I, I will ask for grace. I, I, I did pretty good intentionally learning students' names as I got here and everything, but it maybe was at the expense of learning some adults' names. And uh, so give me some grace on that if, if I might not know your name and interacting with some of y'all. But I am very much excited for some of the new things God's got going on, some of the new things I've been tasked with. Um, I would love to meet uh, with any one of you and, and hear your ideas and feedback on, on anything we've got going on and just let me know how I can help and how I can pray for you. And um, yeah, just looking forward to this. So thank you all so much. I probably took way too much of my time, but here's Kevin. <laughs> Michael took a little bit more time so I can take less time. That's great. That, that's, I, I love that. Um, so some of you guys know I was on staff here uh, from 2017 to uh, 2020, I believe, early 2020, something like that. I, don't um, I ended up leaving. Uh, felt like the Lord was calling me into something else. Later realized that it was more of a personal uh, goal, if you will, um, and it, not, it almost wasn't successful. It, it wasn't uh, fulfilling to me. It wasn't fulfilling to my family, um, and ultimately I ended up working just a ton, uh, found something else. I'm not even going to go into those details. Um, but it, was, it, it turned out to be okay, but uh, we'll just skip all that. Um, anyway, uh, about six months ago, a little over six months ago, eight months ago, um, I started really feeling a call back into ministry. And I knew that was, that was what uh, my heart longed for. That's what... Uh, when I talked to Shelby, um, that's what we prayed about. We were getting the same things in our prayer life, and it was the one thing that really brought me joy and brought me true passion, right? And so um, anyway, so we started praying about that. I sent out some applications, um, and the ones that, that got back to me when we prayed over them, it was just never a yes. I, I can't describe it, but it, it was, there were was some that were just a, a blatant no, um, but uh, most of them were never a yes. And uh, so a few months ago, Scott talked to me about coming back on and kind of explained uh, what this would look like. And uh, I, I, I've <laughs> I never really wanted to uh, say yes to anything like that fast, right? But I knew in my heart, I was like, I need to go home. I need to talk to Shelby about this. I need to pray about this. And uh, I think it was maybe a week, two weeks, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Uh, but the whole time I was just sitting there wanting to say yes, because I love these, uh, I love the students here. I love the family here. And uh, I can't wait to be a part of it for many years to come. And uh, 
those of you with young ones, uh, fourth, fifth grade, I look forward to seeing them in the, the youth ministry in the next couple years. Uh, and then those of you that have uh, kids that are even outside of uh, youth ministry, I'd love to meet up with them too um, and possibly you know, bring them back on as leaders or something like that. So please just let me know. And a shameless plug, if you guys have any call to youth ministry to come work with them, uh, please come. Please come. Y'all get, on, y'all get in there, all right? They're fun. They're fun to be around. They'll love you, I promise. And uh, we love you guys already. So thank you guys again, and uh, love you guys. So, Kevin, Kevin's going to probably go get a nap. Uh, so, it's interesting. We hired Jordan uh, a while back, and a month later, they had a baby. Uh, we hired Josh, and before he came on staff, they had a baby. We hired Kevin, and he didn't even work a week before they had a baby. So, if you want a baby, just get a job here. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's deductive reasoning or just uh, my math, but... Uh, um, yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm excited. Those are quality men right there. Uh, you got a quality man leading your youth, and you got a, a quality man <clears throat> stepping into a role of associate pastor leading your life. Um, and while speaking of, you know, we watched the, the video on uh, Night to Remember, the, uh, the, the recap on that. Uh, it's one of the coolest things I've, I've been a part of. I don't know, we've done four, Michael? Four of them now, I think, uh, Sherry would know more than that. Uh, but Sherry Albertson, can you stand a moment? You probably don't want to, but uh, now everybody's going to stare while I'm pointing. Uh, Sherry Albertson and Michael Barnard are the reasons. There's a lot of people. He said 140 involved. Yes, it had to start somewhere. Uh, and those two, thank you. Uh, and I think Jesus would be like, man, that was a good night. Thank you. Uh, I can't imagine the father's uh, excitement. He probably just said, hey, we're going to gather on this uh, cloud precipice here. I don't know what heaven's like. Uh, and we're going to watch, guys. And, and I bet they just cheered on that night. It was a spectacular night. It's a way to love our community and, and show Jesus off uh, very nicely. And I don't have sleeve tattoos. Uh, by the way, that was a shirt I was wearing. If you're wondering, did Pastor Scott go spend $100,000 on tats? No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, uh, getting back to Jesus here. Uh, so, we're, we're uh, wrapping up our series, How Do I? Looking at, uh, looking at how do I make sense of it all. This entire series, all along, we've been, we've been harping on the big idea that we've got to know the designer. And I think it's so appropriate that today we end this series later on talking about communion. Because really, how do I? And whatever fill in the blank after that. It's all going to be answered by the cross and, and the work done there, the redeeming nature uh, the, the, that it brought for us, the transformation from death to life and dark to light that the cross brings. And so we get to wrap up this whole series um, with remembering the reason uh, for everything, and that's, that's Jesus' work on the cross. Um, you know, when... When I started thinking about this series, this sermon, how do I make sense of it all? Probably a lot of us have, have asked that question about our life, our marriage, our job, uh, family, uh, next steps, all those things. And you're like, oh, how do I you know, get this puzzle piece together and do this and that? And, and we ask those questions and, and then we probably have other questions that come. Uh, 
in our minds of, of what, what, what drives us to try to make sense of things. And uh, if you're seeking an answer, maybe you don't follow Jesus, you're listening uh, on the radio, you're watching online, you're here, and, and you haven't made that, that step to uh, step into lordship and, and salvation under Jesus. You're, you're trying to make sense of it all. Um, you've probably wrestled with uh, a thousand questions to get to that point. And those of us who follow Jesus, we had our wrestling along the way to lead us to that place. We finally just said, yes, I accept it all. And, and I think some questions to go along with making sense of things is, do I want to just survive life for 60, 80, 85 years? Or maybe I just, do I, do I want to be a success? In life, like I'll, I'll label success and that guy labels it this way and that girl that way and that family this way, but I want to be a success or, or do I want to leave a significant mark, a legacy? Because when I was thinking about this week and I was thinking back on my journey to Jesus and beyond, you know, these years of following him, I thought of, did I, did I just want to survive? At one point, I just wanted to survive. And then I was like, i got to be a success, according to me. And, and then I was like, oh, Jesus in you, it's, it's about leaving a legacy. One leaves a stain when you just try to survive. One can leave stuff when success is the point of it all. But one does leave a legacy. It's the only one. Being significant because of Jesus in you and from you is the only way a legacy's ever left. The world's a big mess, right? Would anybody say, I don't think the world's messy at all. So there are, it's messy and it's a mess and it messes up. And it's, it's on its own and it's not meant to be. And so the world's a, a mess. And at the same time that the world is a mess, this mess wants you to follow it. Isn't that kind of funny? Be like a person just walking in circles and, and, and getting nowhere and being like, you should follow me. That's, that's the world. Following the world is this endeavor that always leads us to survival mode or striving for uh, my self-defined success, or the world's success, and both leave us with nothing. But Jesus made a way for things to be made right within the mess in our lives here in the world, but not of it. Our home is heaven. We, we have an eternity that's, that's guaranteed. And, and we're here for a time because God wants to glorify himself and save people. And so he says, I'm leaving you there. I know when I'm calling you home. And while you're here, I want you to live for me because that's the only way to leave a legacy and to have any kind of significance that matters to the one who made it all, the designer of it all. I think Peter's story is one of my absolute favorites of this guy who at any point in time of following Jesus, he could have just packed it in because of decisions that he made. I mean, even before he was called to follow Jesus, he's just a fisherman. And there's nothing negative about that. And the word just isn't a negative thing. But he probably thought about his life and was like, oh, I guess this is just what I do. I just fish and one day I won't, I won't fish anymore and I'll be dead. And then Jesus calls him. And we know his story. He made mistakes along the way, right? He blew it in small ways and in very, very large ways. Um, none of us will probably have the 2,000-year the story told about us of how we denied Jesus three times and cussed a little girl around a fire, right? That's his story. 
So he probably wrestled with making sense of it all before following Jesus and then and when he made small mistakes and then when he made a giant mistake. He probably even wrestled with making sense of it all after Jesus left and, and totally redeemed him on the beach that day and then gave him a new call in life. And as he wrestled with anything and he thought about Jesus after Jesus left the planet, he would be the first one to say, Jesus never quits on you. He didn't quit on me, and I gave him every reason to. He actually pursued me. He came and found me. He, he came after me. He spoke into my life, sometimes hard things, sometimes encouraging things, but he never quit on me. He helped me to stay focused on him and not on circumstances or failures or successes. And no one, except maybe Peter's mama, could have written a story along the way that some, before he even got called, that, that he would be significant. I mean, his mom might have been like, sure, but she had to, right? Uh, that's what moms do. But when he was just a fisherman, nobody would have been like, man, I'm going to write this guy's story because that looks like it's going to be something. He was just a dude. But he began to follow Jesus, and so he began to know the designer because it's all about knowing the designer. If you don't know and pursue and seek and worship and look to and listen for Jesus, you're going to miss it all. No matter what the world says about you. It's all about knowing the designer or it's nothing at all. So Peter follows him and that helped him make sense of it all as life played out. And it's the same thing always for us. Peter is proof that life can be hard to navigate. Anybody struggle at times navigating life? Is it just me? Ah, that's, that's more than usual raising their hands and the rest of you are just liars, right? So, <laughs> Life's hard to navigate, but it's so rewarding when we do navigate it by looking to Jesus. Matthew 16 uh, is this story. It's, it's chock full. Like if it was a, Matthew 16 could probably be a, you know, a season on, you know, uh, Amazon or something, because it's just so much packed into this, this one chapter here. Uh, There's a lot happening. And so Jesus is talking, and in, in the first, I don't know, 12 verses or so, he's talking about, about not getting infected by the world's ways. Now, he's referring to religion here. He's talking about don't let, don't let their bitterness and their control and their power infect you. But it can be applied to anything. It can be religion. It can be culture. It can be what the world says. It can be what school tells you kids, it can be uh, what, what, what a neighborhood tells you, whatever it is. He's saying, don't get infected by the world's ways. And then it comes to this place, as he's having this conversation, his disciples are there. He's like, who are people saying I am? And they're like, da, 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 da. And then he looks at them and he says, who do you say I am? In fact, he asks, but, but who do you say I am? And in verse 16, it says that Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. I mean, Peter nails it. Like he gets it right. This is a success moment for Peter. And Jesus is like, you're blessed. I'm going to build a church on you. I mean, one answer. And Peter's like, I get a church built on me? Jesus is excited. Can you imagine making Jesus excited about something? You talk about a win. I mean, gosh, no matter what you do in life, you're like that one time I answered something right and Jesus got excited. That'd be a great thing. So it's like, wow, Peter nails it. And then verse 21 starts. 
And Jesus is talking about his death and Peter's like, oh man, you're missing it, dude. Peter pulls him aside and reprimands Jesus. Can you imagine that one on your resume? Right? It's not a great moment for Peter in verses 21 through 23. He got ahead of himself. He, he, he forgot his place. He's supposed to be behind Jesus as a follower. And he's trying to tell Jesus to stop talking about stupid stuff. You don't know what you're talking about, creator of the universe. So then, you know, Peter, uh, Peter gets a little, a little what, what given to him. And Jesus says famously, get behind me, Satan. You're not going to influence me to stop this. I'm going to the cross because people got to get saved. Now, we know that he's talking to the influence behind Peter saying that, but he's calling Peter out here. So in verses 24 through 28, he, Jesus, after he reprimands Peter, he talks about what matters most, and, and he's telling him, hey, you got to follow me, and it'll cost you something. He says, follow me. Give up your life for my sake so that you can save it. Because if you try to save something, you'll lose it. Peter... Uh, Peter's the one being addressed here, but he's, he's talking to humanity. If you follow me, it will cost you something. The world's not going to like you. It's not going to love you. It's not going to embrace you. It will try to change you. It'll try to transform you, but I'm transforming you because you're giving up your life for something that's a greater reward. And if you give up your life now and you choose to follow me, I'll be the one to bring rewards to you. So then this same guy, Peter, who's getting, you know, he, he had the high of nailing it and he had the low of getting called Satan. <laughs> this same guy, Peter, after an even much larger mistake with the denial of Jesus on his betrayal moment, he writes to us in 1 Peter 4 what I would refer to as summing it all up. And he writes this beautiful passage in 1 Peter 4, we're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read some of it here. And um, I encourage you to either turn to it now in your Bibles or your apps that you have and, and follow along. We're not going to put it all on there because um, I'm going I'm to skip a little bit here. But I want you to hear from Peter. So this is the guy who got in trouble, foot and mouth disease, a lot of us have that, all this kind of stuff, betrayed Jesus, redeemed at the beach. Later on, Jesus is, is gone, and Peter's one of the main leaders of the new church of Jesus Christ that we're a part of today, and he writes the book of 1 Peter as a great shepherd, because now he's this great, compassionate shepherd. He gets what it means to fail, to be pursued, and to be restored. And he says this in summing it all up. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain for you, for me, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you've suffered physically for Christ, you've finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness, wild parties, Terrible worship of idols. He's basically saying, you already did that stuff pre-Jesus. It's not a part of your life anymore. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge, plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. They know who you were and they're shocked that you're not that anymore. 
So they slander you. Mm, I don't like that. But remember, they'll have to face God. He'll judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with, the, with God in the spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And then he goes in verse 10 and 11, and he's talking about being gifted by God to serve others and bring glory to God. We're kicking off a series next week uh, for the month of February about being gifted. And God gives us all these gifts so that he can get the glory and that others can be blessed by it. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the month of February. And then in verse 12, he says, Dear friends, talking about suffering for being a Christian, similar to what Jesus was referring to, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Tough times will happen on the planet as we follow Jesus, because one day this ends and eternity begins where there is no tough time. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Jesus in his suffering so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. You're doing it right. And then he goes on in verse 19, he says, So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. Trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. It's interesting to note here that Peter points us to know the designer when life is hard on us. That's his point. When life gets tough, know Jesus. Know what he has for you. Know what he said. Know what he's promised. Know who he is. Know what he did on the cross that cannot be taken away. Know your place in his heart. Know the deep love he has for you and the grace. This is always how we make sense of it all. The creator God, the faithful designer who keeps all things in order will never fail us. And he'll never fail to, to not be with us. He's always there. Like we don't have to hunt him down. He is with us, Holy Spirit, in us at salvation. He covers us in his grace. And he shows us his glories. We face things. And Peter gets it. He understands he knows how to go about living in a way to make sense of it all. I mean, Peter got called out by Jesus because he was called to so many great things. So when you're convicted, man, know that Jesus cares. When you're, when you're challenged and Jesus is like, you can't, you can't do that. That's what the world does. Maybe he speaks it through a person or maybe he just speaks it through his spirit to you. But when you're called out, know that he's calling you to higher things that he has for you. So when we take communion, it's remembering all that he's done. I'm going to ask the guys, the ushers, uh, whoever's helping to, to begin to hand out the communion elements. And when you get those, just hang on to them and we'll go through them in a little bit. But communion is, is this worshipful tradition that we have to remember how it was all made right so that life now and then life eternal to come can make sense. Because without the cross, nothing makes sense. Without the cross, Paul says, 
without the, the cross, which is the, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, like we're all wasting our time. But it happened, and that's who we follow. I felt like the Lord gave me a, as they're handing out the elements right now, that he, he gave me a, a picture to paint for you and I today as we go into communion. And my hope is this is the most worshipful communion in the history of our lives just because of what, what God wants to do in us. And, and if you're here today and, and you're a follower of Jesus, you're a believer in Jesus, you're invited to take communion with us. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you right now to say, Jesus, I want that committed uh, eternal king in my life. I want to follow you. I want to give up my life. I want to accept your forgiveness of sins. And I want to follow you. And if you make that decision today, take communion as your first act of following Jesus. So Jesus is falsely accused and arrested. He endures this mock trial. Humans put the creator on trial. He's lied about. Anybody ever been lied about? You know what that's like? It hurts. Jesus is lied about. He's never done anything wrong. He's tortured, beaten, bloodied, and then he's executed. A mock trial leads to a torturous execution of Jesus, the creator, killed by his created ones. The sinless one becomes the sin of all people everywhere for all time. God becomes rebellious people's scapegoat for sin. The eternal light and life dies. Jesus' life looked so good until it didn't on that weekend of torture and torment and mockery and being spit on and made fun of. So much hope for change that he represented now seems hopeless to them. So how does any of that sorry summary about Jesus' end make sense at all to us? What are some things... Feel free, this is a participation moment. What, what, are some, what are some reasons why that summary now makes sense to you? Anybody want to yell it out? You can just say out the word. What word comes to mind that makes that make sense to you? Mercy. Love. Grace. Redemption. Pastor Michael the other day said resurrection. Will Torns, our new chairman, uh, uh, chairman of the elder board, the other day said it doesn't make sense. That's why it's so amazing. Goodness, compassion, commitment to you, devotion, peace now. Wasn't peace before. It makes sense because God is for you. He made a way where there was no way. And so Paul, as he's writing about this, he calls us back to this moment in 1 Corinthians 11. It's going to be on the, on the screen there for you. And he says this. Now, Paul never met Jesus while Jesus lived on planet Earth, but Jesus met Paul later and like spoke a bunch of stuff to him. And so Paul says for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night Jesus was betrayed, 
He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me in the same way. He took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time that you and I eat the bread and drink the cup, we're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So he takes the bread. He's sitting with his best friends. He's sitting with Judas, who he loved. He died for Judas. Judas just didn't choose it. And he tears the, the bread apart. And he takes pieces. And he gives it to him. And he says, in the same way that this is being broken up to give to you guys, so that you can feast right now and have some sustenance in the same way that I'm ripping this to pieces, my body is going to be torn for you. So take your cracker that you have, if you would. Just look at it for a second. Now your cracker's not all torn up, but it represents Jesus' body. And when you take this in a moment, would you tell him thank you for what he went through because he loved you? Because that's the point of it all. He loved you. So he took it and he broke it and he said, God, thank you for this bread. And they're thinking he's just being thankful and grateful for what we're about to eat. But what he's saying is, Thank you for letting me come here, Father, and live here 33 years as one of them so I could die so we could have them all back. Because it was for the joy set before him, you are the joy set before him, that he endured the cross. So as we take this together right now, let's take it remembering that he did this because you were on his mind. And so Jesus, we thank you for what this represents to us as saved forever sons and daughters of yours. He takes that cup. And the cup was filled with wine for them and we have juice. It's red. It's thick. It represents... His blood poured out on the cross when, when he had the, the crown of thorns beat into his brain and he bled. And all the blood he had on him as he carried that cross up that road. And then as they laid it down and they, and they nailed giant nails through his wrists, put his feet together and nailed a giant nail through his, his feet. And he bled and they stabbed him with a spear and he spear and he bled. And he says, my blood, because a spotless lamb has to be shed for forgiveness. And they did that every year as a, as a tradition. And he says, now, one time for all time, my blood will be poured out because I'm the perfect spotless lamb. No one has to buy me or give me up. I give myself up from heaven. So when you take this and you drink it, would you just for a moment, just tell him whatever you need to tell him, thanking him for forgiving your sins. You know a lot of your sins and you've probably forgotten a lot, but you know he's forgiven you.
So when you drink this, would you thank him for the forgiveness of your sins and what that means? And we do thank you, Father, for the forgiveness of sins. The reason Jesus calls us to remember communion is because if we get too far away from the cross, we begin to live our lives on our own and nothing makes sense. The cross keeps us centered and being centered makes sense as we glorify Jesus and praise God for who he is. I'm gonna ask you to stand right now and we're gonna sing three songs of worship thanking him for who he is. My desire is that that this be a powerful moment of remembrance continuing with our communion in your hearts that we're undone, we're overwhelmed, we worship loud or we worship on our knees, we worship at the altar because it's open, however you need to worship but during this song of worship, especially the first one, would it just be a thank you song because Jesus forgave you and made a way and calls you into new life no matter how many mistakes you've made, big or small like Peter, he pursued you and you're the joy set before him. So worship him as the one, the only one who could save you from all your sins. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.